Good morning, folks. My name is Rob Davis. For those of you that don't know me, I'm the founding pastor here. And uh, it's a privilege, actually, to have you be here and join me this morning. Today, I want to look at Psalm 1, Salmos Uno. And I've titled this message, Wisdom for Wise Decisions. Wisdom for Wise Decisions. We are faced with many decisions in life. We all have to make decisions. And the question is, how do we know that we're making the best decision? I mean, we, we, we have big decisions that we make throughout our lives. We have to uh, make decisions when it starts, you know, with junior in high school. Uh, right now, this summer, you'll be thinking, where am I going to go to university? Uh, what would be my options? for next year when I graduate as a senior. And then if you, uh, in college, you're deciding, okay, what am I really gonna study? What area do I wanna pursue? What career do I really wanna uh, do? I mean, these are kind of big decisions, but there are lots of big decisions. Uh, for instance, uh, who am I gonna marry? And uh, where are we gonna live? And how many kids are we going to have? Uh, and then you have big decisions throughout your life. Uh, you have decisions like uh, career moves. Like right now, you might be thinking, hey, uh, should I have a career move? And you know, summer is just a great time to make these decisions. I mean, you kind of like can kick back, you sit on your porch. Uh, hopefully the stress level is a little lower and it gives you, your mind a chance to dream and to think of what could be and what's possible and uh, what gives you life and, and how you can get there. So we are constantly faced with trying to make great decisions. Uh, and these decisions, like I say, they happen all the time. You'll be deciding, should I make a career move? And, and if so, uh, where should I look? And if you get different offers, is this going to be a great company? Is it going to be a good offer? Uh, or are you going to do something on your own? And it doesn't end when your career ends because you then say when you get to the end of your career, well, when should I retire? When's the best time to retire? What are my options? And then once you are retired, you're saying things like, now what do I do? And what's going to give my life meaning now? What decisions do I make now for, for the future? So our lives are going to be, we're going to have to make decisions our entire lives. And of course, we want to make good decisions, wise decisions. The question is, how do we make wise decisions? And for some, it's like, how do we just decide? Because, you know, there can be paralysis in just making a decision, because we know that once we made a decision, uh, our options are then limited. We can't keep all options on the table for all amount of time. We run out of time, or when we make one option, when we choose one thing, it means that we cannot choose something else. So for many, there's a paralysis of, is this the absolute best choice? And if that's you today, if you're making a choice, if you're at a, 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 a juncture in your life where you have to make a big decision, this message is for you. So let me just pray and, and pray specifically, actually, that God speaks to you and helps you with the decision that you need to make based on what I'm going to be sharing with you today. So Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would empower your word 
And Lord, that your word would speak to the hearts of your people. Uh, Lord, so that your Holy Spirit would allow us to be able to get your input, your angle, your thought on, on the matter and help us with making great decisions. Amen. Well, as I said, uh, we're looking at Psalm 1, and I've chosen Psalm 1 uh, today because Psalm 1 is the first psalm, obviously, but it's the gateway to the wisdom literature, meaning uh, there's a whole bunch of scripture which we call wisdom scripture. Primarily, we get it you know, from the psalms and from Proverbs, but there's other areas of scripture which are also considered wisdom scripture. In other words, getting God's wisdom uh, for, for a great life. And so Psalm 1 is a great entry point. It's the gateway to all the psalms. And the idea here as we look at Psalm 1 is, okay, what does the blessed life look like? And how can we experience that blessing? So let me read, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And then this great picture of what the blessed life looks like. Verse 3, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, clearly, that's the life that God wants for you. And he's giving us advice and wisdom on how to experience that type of a life. But it carries on in verse 4, and I'll finish the psalm. It's kind of a short psalm. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. The path of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, again, a different scripture, one I use pretty frequently, is John 10.10, where it says there's two worldviews. There's Satan, which his purpose is to rob, steal, and destroy. And then there's Jesus, whose purpose is to give us life and give it to us in abundance. Now, we often don't like these black and white analogies in life, where it's like either or. And in this particular psalm, it starts off, and the first two verses are, you either hang out with wicked, uh, the wicked, the sinners, or the mockers, or you delight in the ways of the Lord. And we always want to have another option. We say, well, it can't just be Jesus and Satan. There must be like a third option. Like maybe there isn't a God or I like Jesus, but there really isn't any evil. But the Bible is often binary or saying it's an either or because it's either Jesus or it isn't. And then Jesus is telling us what the, the or isn't is. And he's saying there is actually another force at work. Or in this particular case, God is saying, if you get your advice and your wisdom other than from the Lord, 
then it's not going to go necessarily uh, well for you in terms of the blessings that the Lord wants. If you want the Lord's blessings, you have to follow the Lord's ways. That's the point. Now, from a practical standpoint, uh, you know, as a pastor, I often see people getting confused about um, uh, wisdom and just good advice or help. Meaning, you know, uh, if you're going to get heart surgery, uh, do you have to go to a Christian doctor? Or if you're going to get your car fixed, does the mechanic have to be a Christian? Or, you know, you name the, the thing, you need a plumber. Uh, and obviously, when you think of it like that, no, you don't. I mean, I don't get onto an airplane and say, pilot, I just want to make sure you're a Christian. No, what I want is that people are competent in their field. That's what I want. Now, if they're also a Christian, that's a great bonus because I'm hoping that by being a Christian, they'll be honest, they'll have integrity, they'll be caring, they'll be loving. But yeah, I don't ask the pilot, are you a Christian? I just assume the person is competent. And so it should be with all aspects of life. If I need a heart uh, transplant, uh, I want the best possible doctor. That's the first and highest criteria. So let's not confuse wisdom of, uh, of wholesome living that God wants to give us with, with advice, because it's easy to come to the wrong conclusion. We can say, hey, listen, you know, if, the, if my mechanic is not a believer, then he's a sinner and therefore I shouldn't have anything to do with him. That's not what's being said here. Uh, what is being said would be more be along the lines of, look, if you want to get great marriage advice or how to raise your kids, Hanging out at a bar and asking the people around the bar is probably not the best place to get that advice. You'd probably get a whole lot better advice hanging around church and getting advice, you know, from people like me, pastors and other people in church that have uh, got a demonstrated uh, track record of doing great things. But I want to uh, dive into this a little bit deeper, this psalm, especially this idea of you know, what it looks like to be prosperous and be like a tree uh, growing on a riverbank and just seems like life is, is not necessarily easy, but good. And there's a little section in the, in the prophet of Jeremiah, which is a wisdom section within the prophet. I mean, the book is a prophetic book, but buried in there, we've got some wisdom advice. And we find that in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 through 10. And I want to read this to you. And really what Jeremiah is doing, he's taking Psalm 1 and he's expounding on it. But it helps us because we get a, a fuller, uh, clearer understanding of what it's being said. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, and turn their hearts away from the Lord. Okay, there you get it. Now, God is saying if you turn your heart away from Him and you rely on only on human uh, in, inputs, you're going you're gonna to miss the mark. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They are like the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Sounds just awful. Now, contrast that with verse 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord 
and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I mean, it's just a great picture of life where we will have difficulties in our lives, but we're rooted. We've got the, the ability to tap into the Lord. But let me finish it. Verse 9, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So it's a, just a great uh, elaboration uh, of Psalm 1. Let me say it a, a different way. Whatever we put into our minds will affect what we do, what we think, how we do it, and why we do it. So it is really important to be intentionally putting good things into your mind. Uh, Philippians 4.8 says it this way. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, do you get that when you listen to the, the news? Uh, not so much. So if you're filling your head with, you know, the news all day long or with whatever else, it's not helpful. You need to be filling your head at least with what the Lord is saying and things that are good and honorable and right and true and trustworthy. And those are the things we want to be filling our, our head in. In other words, the sort of stuff that you get when you come to church. So I highly encourage people to make going to church a regular Diet, a regular habit. If you want to experience the blessing of the Lord and you want to experience God's wisdom when you have to make life decisions, uh, have your head already filled with things that are helpful in that area. Let me just, uh, let me just turn to the other two topics that are ad addressed in this Psalm 1. The first would be the blessed life. And then the second would be, one actually it hits on here, yeah, is judgment. And it says this in verse 4 and 5. Let me go back to Psalm 1. So it says, those that trust in the Lord will prosper in all they do. But verse 4 says, but not so the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be con condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. So, you know, God is telling us that there will be a day when we will have to be accountable for our lives. And, you know, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, when is the end of our life? When is it, like, when do we evaluate success or if we've had a great life? You know, often uh, people, I think, do this prematurely. They think if you're a teenager and you watch a rock star and he's killing it when he's like 20 or 30 and 
you think, man, I just want to be like that guy. But if you fast forward, what's that person's life like when they're 50 or, or 60? Are they still, uh, you know, living a wonderful life? Uh, or if you're in business, you know, somebody can just be killing it from a career standpoint. Uh, but you ask, are they really happy? Uh, when is, where's the, the marker to say, well, where's the finish line? Is the finish line mid-career? Is the finish line, you know, when you retire? But most people would say the finish line is when you die. It's like, what would my life look like when I died? But let me suggest that that's not the finish line. Uh, for folks that think that is the finish line, slogans like "Who he who has the most toys wins, or he who has the most sex wins, or he who's had the greatest vacation wins. But from a Christian standpoint, we're saying, no, no, the finish line isn't when you die. The finish line is when you stand before Jesus after you die. And then Jesus asks you, how did you do with your life? How did you do with the things that I gave you? Uh, and we long to hear Jesus' response. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I want to just touch on something here. When we give our lives to the Lord, when we, in this life, before we die, when we say, God, I, I, I want you into my life and I want to try and live an honorable life by pursuing you and by the power of the Holy Spirit, give me your wisdom, let me do that. God says to us that we have already been judged and there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So when we get to be with Jesus, uh, it's almost like we excited about that and we're looking to have Lord say, uh, well, this is your reward. Uh, well done. Um, because the big things have been taken care of. Jesus died on the cross for us. He said, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. And so we have a new starting point and we can go forward in life uh, and experience God's blessings, God's future blessings in this present life. And we should be able to experience some of that abundance, some of that joy, and some of that peace. Let me um, look at uh, the third topic that sort of jumps out in this psalm. If the first one happens to be the blessed life, and then the second topic being judgment, the third one is verse 6. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So, this whole idea that the Lord watches over the path of the godly, that God is watching over and guiding you in your life, that God is actually interested in your decisions, and not only interested in your decisions, but He wants to help you to make great decisions. Uh, let me read two other Psalms, and there's many Psalms uh, on guidance and Proverbs on guidance. But Psalm 20, verse 4, May He grant our heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May He grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. So God is really for you and not against you. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to succeed. And He wants you, quite honestly, to be prosperous. Uh, actually, the boundary markers are pretty huge. Many of us that are passionate followers of Jesus, we actually have the opposite problem. It's not like, 
Lord, it's too constrictive. You know, your, your rules are so hard to follow. It, it's not that. It's more like, Lord, can you tell me specifically, uh, which is, how do I make the right decision for this particular decision? And the Lord is saying basically, hey, you've got free choice. Make the right decision. Do whatever your heart desires. Think about it wisely. And we say, no, 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 God, I, I need more. I need you to be very specific in my life. And the Lord is saying, yeah, but I want to give you a lot of freedom. And I want to give you a lot of joy. I'm not a demanding God. I've given you. <laughs> and so we run that, uh, you know, that, that challenge. Psalm um, 25, verse 12 through 15 says this. Those who fear, who are those that, who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. He teaches them his covenant. So the Lord is for us. The Lord is, is guiding us. The Lord is saying, if we follow his law, if we read the word of God, if we internalize the word of God, we will be equipped to make the right decisions. That's, that's the way the Lord wants us to. He will inspire. And sometimes the Lord will be very, very specific about you making a decision. Uh, you know, in my own life, personally, uh, I went into finance and I had no idea about ministry. But the Lord was very, dis uh, you know, he called me into ministry and it was very, very specific. Uh, I mean, it was kind of actually jarring for me. Now, if I'd have been smart, which I wasn't, as soon as God called me, I should have prepared my life for ministry. But, you know, I just couldn't get my head around it. So I pushed it off. But yes, yeah, sometimes the Lord will be very specific. And other times it'll be frustrating because you're asking God to be specific. And he's like, no, you make a decision. I trust you. You'll make a great decision. If you think back on your life, and uh, you think back on some of the bad decisions that you may have made, or some of the mistakes that you made, uh, would you say that those mistakes were um, because God did it? God was being mean? Or would you say that that mistake was more because you chose to do something that, if you were a Christian, knew that was contrary to what God desired. Or if you weren't a Christian, you just had no clue about what God desired. But if you think back on the decisions that you made that were painful or wrong, or you wish you could take back, was it God's fault? Or was it your fault? I mean, honestly, all the bad decisions that I made, I can only tag on myself. It absolutely was not the Lord's fault. If I had been following the Lord's ways and decrees, I wouldn't have made those decisions. So we have confidence going forward that as we make choices and decisions uh, going forward, that the Lord will guide us and that the Lord will be for it, uh, before us. Uh, if you're at a decision-making time in your life, and it's, you're a little perplexed, like you've got a big decision to make and you really don't know uh, which way to choose or how to make that decision. 
I want to invite you to join me for a small group that I'm going to do uh, starting Wednesday. And basically, I'm titling this, What Next? God, what next? What's the next phase of my life look like? From today going forward, Lord, what next? What, what decisions, Lord, are you asking me to make? Or what is it that you have for me? And I'm, what I I'm hope that we can do is we hear each other's uh, situation is help each other discern what is the Lord's will for, for you? And what is it that the Lord has that's next and best for you? So if you're interested in that, I'm going to do one online group and one in-person group. Contact the church and uh, sign up and let's, let's talk about it. But as I close, let me just look at what Jesus is promising us. Again, he's promising us a rich and rewarding life. Jesus is saying if we will follow him and if we will allow the Holy Spirit to guide the decisions that we make, we will be like those trees planted along the river, enjoying life, able to withstand the drought and the heat, and be able to be fruitful. That's the Lord's promise. That's the Lord's desire for us. The question is, on our, on our side, will we trust the Lord? Do we believe that that's what the Lord wants for us? And will we um, allow the Spirit of God to move in us? In fact, will we come to church regularly? Will we uh, learn the Bible or learn the ways of the Lord? Uh, will we do that? Because there's God's side and there's our side. And we need to show up on our side. We need to commit to the Lord. We need to commit to a lifelong learning of the Word of God. We need to commit to church and to be with God's people because God speaks more often than not through people, through church, through preaching, through people praying for you, through discussion with others that are believers at church. That's the way God speaks pr primarily. And don't forget, God is saying, my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, friends, if you're at a stage in your life when you're saying, man, it's not easy. My burden is heavy. You gain. You've got to ask your question. Is the problem with Jesus or is the problem with you? Uh, have you made some decisions which, or have you put stuff on you which the Lord is not asking you to do? Have you taken on more or doing life differently to the way the Lord is asking you to take it? Because the promise of the Lord is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Friends, I encourage you, press into the ways and the things of the Lord. You won't be disappointed. Ignore the Lord and watch your life slowly go in the wrong direction. Be blessed.